Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany, the Epiphany season of the church year. Again, we remember the season of the church year that thinks about Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world, the season of the year that leads up to the Lenten season of the church year. Our order of service begins with the service of the word that's on page 38 in the front of our hymnals. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 283, Speak, O Savior, I Am Listening. confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. 
Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins by the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Sunday after the Epiphany is from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 to 20, a reading in which Moses is giving some of his final words of encouragement to the Israelites, to what's supposed to be God's chosen people. He's telling them that there really is kind of a choice in front of them, and this is a choice for those who are already supposed to be believing children of God, an unbeliever can't make a choice like this. But the choice is really whether to follow God or not. And as believers, well, we have that opportunity to follow God and tragically we also have the opportunity to stop following Him. We pray, of course, God help us to keep on following you. We need His help for that. Moses said, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land. You are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Alleluia. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. chapter 5 verses 20 to 37 this is a continuation of Jesus sermon on the mount in which Jesus is again speaking to people who are supposed to be believing children of God talking about their Christian lives Jesus said for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Reka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. All we say with that verse, it's just saying if there's anything that could separate us from God, it's better for us to do anything possible to to get rid of whatever that would be. God, Jesus isn't really telling us to start mutilating our bodies, but we'd be better off with mutilated bodies if we're not led astray from God. Well, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. 
Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your hand, head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Let's continue with our next hymn, hymn 183. today is our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 to 13 where the Apostle Paul was inspired to write. We do however speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No we speak of God's secret wisdom a wisdom that has been hidden and God has destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? 
In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, I think in general we'd say it's true that everybody likes to know a secret, especially if that secret is good news. Especially if that secret is good news. And when we know a good news secret like that, it may at times seem to burn so much inside of us that we just feel like we just really just have to tell somebody. Maybe you've heard a child or maybe even an adult who said, I know something you don't know. And, well, maybe there are those times where maybe you've chosen to or decided that maybe you're going to tell someone a secret that you know that maybe you shouldn't really tell. And before you tell the secret, maybe you say something like, I want you to promise that if I tell you this secret, you won't tell anyone else. Secrets normally are not supposed to be shared. Today, though, the Apostle Paul is telling us about God's greatest secret. And God's greatest secret is very much different from the secrets that we want to keep to ourselves and not share with others. God's greatest secret is something that God wants us to share. He wants us to tell the world. He doesn't want it to stay a secret. Yet our text reveals to us today that God's greatest secret, it remains unknown largely to the world. It lies hidden in the gospel, and it's revealed by the Holy Spirit. In his letter to the Corinthians, what the Apostle Paul was doing is, because there were factions and divisions in that congregation, he was urging the congregation to be united in mind and thought. But the unity that he was looking for wasn't a unity of beliefs regarding politics or beliefs regarding social reform. He was talking about a religious, spiritual unity that's found in the message of the cross, in the message of the gospel. And now, Paul also testified that when he came to Corinth, he didn't come to Corinth with a demonstration of eloquence or superior human wisdom. That wasn't his intent. Things that the average person would have looked at Paul and said, wow, this guy is smart. 
That's not what Paul came with. And now, he didn't come with that wise wisdom. It wasn't the how he spoke the words that he did, the manner, the externals of his preaching. That wasn't what was important. But the message that he proclaimed, that was what was important. That message, a Christ-centered, a cross-centered gospel message, that was what was important. The Apostle Paul said, he preached this pure wisdom to them. He said, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Paul, the true preacher, he proclaimed not the world's wisdom, but God's wisdom. He preached this wisdom to, it says, the mature, and to the mature he's talking about those who, who by God's grace would know about Jesus, know about their sin, know about their Savior. And now that whole wisdom, it was a secret, largely it was it remained hidden to the world, but to believers it was something that was known. Well, God's greatest secret, this true wisdom, it should not be confused, Paul wants us to know, with the false and perishing wisdom of this present age. And, oh, maybe you can think of what the world what the world thinks of as being true wisdom regarding evolution and the world being millions and billions of years old or, or what the world says regarding life, regarding abortion and euthanasia. Or maybe just think about the ambivalent picture about sexuality that the world is painting today. That's worldly wisdom, but Paul would describe that as false and perishing wisdom of the present age. The true wisdom, the true wisdom of the gospel of Christ though, that's something that endures forever. While human attempts at wisdom, along with everything, everyone belonging to this present age, well that's in the process of coming to an end. Human wisdom and what Paul's talking about here, tragically what's the case with that is it seems to be pushing God further and further away from our lives and out of the picture. But now when we think about human wisdom, of course there are many parts of human wisdom that do so much for us today that we really should be very thankful for. Where would we be today without the drugs, the medical medicines, the, the surgical procedures, and the technology, today's technology? Those things do so much for us today, but, well, in heaven, ultimately, we won't need medicine and drugs. And I doubt that we'll need cell phones or computers in heaven either. But those are parts of the perishing wisdom of this world. But that's, those are decent things. But again, what Paul's talking about here as being dangerous is the false and perishing wisdom of this present age. Oh, 
For example, thinking about those who deny the existence of God or think of the world as being millions and billions of years old without God being needed in the picture. People who put, put, God, put themselves above God or try to erase God. What good will that kind of wisdom do for a person when we think of our eternal future, though? Well, Paul says, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Paul describes God's wisdom as a secret one here, purposely hidden by God, though in a sense it is hidden, yet it is a wisdom, a secret that God determined and decreed already in eternity before the creation of the world. This unchanging eternal wisdom was established, he says, for our glory, to lead us to the goal that God chose for us. And that's, that's eternal glory, eternal happiness, eternal joy in his presence in heaven. But now is Paul saying that this wisdom is something that is, is still hidden? And in a sense it is because that wisdom lies hidden in the gospel. Is, is that, that wisdom then is one that is unable for us to know or understand or grasp on our own. We can't gain that wisdom by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal that wisdom to, for us. Otherwise, it remains hidden forever. As Paul says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. God's greatest secret is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit working through the Word, and that's why we need to keep on hearing the Word of God so that we know God's greatest secret. Paul says, none of, this, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Those who were in prominence in promoting human wisdom that is, the false and perishing wisdom of this present age, those who prided themselves in their worldly positions of authority and prestige, well, they often blind themselves to the true wisdom, the genuine wisdom that's in the gospel. They disdain it because they can't understand it, because they have these unbelief blinders hiding the truth of the gospel from them. And never was that more apparent when you think of the Jewish leaders and the Roman governors, the Roman leaders uh, having Jesus crucified when they crucified the Lord of glory. Now what God did is God used their actions, their blind acts of unbelief to accomplish his plan of salvation. But here what Paul says is, had they really known who was there in front of them, even though it was so obvious, well, obvious to us who by the grace of God believe, right? But to them, there was God right there in front of them. They couldn't see it. And that's why they attacked. That's why they crucified the Lord of glory. 
home. There are so many people in the world who are just stuck in blind unbelief even though what's right in front of them is the truth of the gospel. And, well, what Paul is really saying to us is that there are many things that people would not do if they could just grasp the fact that, that Jesus is the Savior, if they could just grasp the wisdom of God that's in Christ. And yet today, there are still so many who are remain blind, who are hidden from the truth, not knowing the truth and not wanting to know it. And included among those who are blind in their unbelief, who are hidden from the truth, are many who, like the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day, who possess the scriptures, who had that right in front of them, but they refuse to take them at face value. Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah in saying, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. When we are on our own, we can't conceive or see or grasp what the scriptures say, even though they're right there in front of us. We can't grasp it at all. The verse that follows our reading for today tells us why that is the case. Paul said, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Without faith, without the working of the Holy Spirit, a person just can't know God's greatest secret. Our text so far has talked about others who have rejected the wisdom that's hidden in the gospel about others out there. But let's realize that inside each one of us there is still a sinful nature, a force that does want to reject the true wisdom of God. Our sinful nature is a force that definitely does need to be reckoned with because of the problems that it does want to cause us. Our sinful nature wants us to believe that we'd have more fun if we didn't have to follow God's laws that are in the scriptures. That we could have more fun on Sunday mornings or or whenever it would be that we'd have the opportunity to worship God, if instead we did other things other than worshiping God. That God doesn't care, for example, if we skip church every now and then. And that it's more fun to watch TV, to surf the internet, to play video games, and to spend hours on Facebook than to read our Bibles, spend time in prayer with our God. But we need God's help. We need God's help to control our sinful nature because it will confuse us if we let it, if we're not 
regularly and faithfully in the word so that it can build us up and strengthen us in our faith and protect us from the confusion that the sinful nature wants to cause us. By nature, everyone knows that there is a God and that ultimately he will judge all men. Scripture does say Every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. And, and Paul says of all people, they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death. But to know, grasp, trust, and love God, God's righteous, God's, love God as the gracious God that he is, it's only the result of the Holy Spirit working in us through God's word in us. Well, what Paul did in his ministry is he preached God's word of wisdom, which comes from the Holy Spirit and is used by the Holy Spirit to create faith in the hearts of, in our hearts. Well, Paul says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Uh, a job of the Holy Spirit is to convey to us God's greatest secret. And he can do that for us because as true God, he does possess those secrets, all true wisdom. And Paul uses this illustration only a person's inner self, inner spirit, really knows a person's exact thoughts and motives and desires. And so one knows God's inner thoughts, motivations, and desires, except God's spirit because, well, he is God's spirit. He is true God. The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God and, and he can give us that wisdom, God's greatest secrets to you and to me. Paul said, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Paul and the other apostles, they didn't express a message that was derived from a worldly spirit or source. The spirit that characterizes, that animates the perishing world, that, that's not the source of their wisdom, of God's greatest secret. The apostles, they received, it says, the spirit who is from God. He gave them true wisdom. And the essence of that true wisdom is understanding, understanding of, as it says, what God has freely given us, the gospel of Christ centered in his cross. For the apostles and for us, what really is the case is that knowing God as our saving God and as our dear Father in Christ that's the highest, that's the greatest wisdom, that's the most wonderful secret that has been revealed to us. Well, Paul concludes our reading by telling us why we'll want to listen to his words. He says, this is what we speak 
not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The Holy Spirit, he provided the very words to be used in conveying this wonderful divine message from God. The Holy Spirit, he knows better than all human writers, orators, and philosophers how to speak the deep things of God. And, well, what the Holy Spirit did is he directed Paul and the other writers of the Bible to write those things so that you and I could know God's greatest secret. Well, the Holy Spirit, back in Bible times, he went to the Bible writers to reveal God's greatest secret to them. Today, the Holy Spirit, he comes to us through, through the means of grace, and the means of grace, those are the tools that the Holy Spirit uses to reach us, to give us God's grace and mercy and love, to call us to faith, to make us believing children of God, to keep us in the faith. And those tools, of course, are the gospel and word and sacraments. Sacraments, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. And so those are the tools that the Holy Spirit uses to give us true wisdom, to give us God's greatest secret. So let's take advantage of those tools so that God can, so that God the Holy Spirit can build us up and strengthen us in our faith, in our knowledge of God's greatest secret. But you know something? God doesn't give us his greatest secret so that we should say to others, I want you to promise me if I tell you this secret that you won't tell anyone else. He wants us to tell everyone. You and I, we have a secret to share. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, in mercy, receive the prayers of your people. Grant them the wisdom to know the things that please you and the grace and power always to accomplish them. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. In our prayers, I would ask you to please look at the, the prayer list in our bulletins. But we'll especially think, as we've been the last several weeks, thinking of Don Janicki dealing with strokes, Deb Spitzley dealing with heart and kidney issues, Paula Burris continuing to deal with circulation and infection problems in her legs, and Mary Glassbrook, who seems to be coming along quite well following her knee replacement surgery. We pray. Lord God, in your grace and mercy, we ask you to be with these members of our church family. If it's according to your will, please grant them healing. But as we always keep on saying, keep on giving them more than anything else, your grace and your mercy and love, because that gives them the strength that they, that they really need. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, Sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple of announcements to share with you. Well, today is Abraham Lincoln's birthday, President's Day coming on up. Monday, Greg Parisian's birthday. Wednesday, April Mingus, Nikki Wine. Uh, Friday, Isabel Purdy and Ron Whitman. A reminder that a week and a half from now is Ash Wednesday. Wednesday, February 22nd, we'll have our Lenten series this year. Begins with a Lenten service, Ash Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Before the service at 5.30 p.m., we'll have our, our usual Lenten soup sandwich supper meal. Please try to... Keep, that, keep those special worship services in your schedule as we get ready to celebrate Easter as we right now think about our Savior's suffering and death, his passion leading up to Easter. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.